Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. This morning, our reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the inspired word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that by you teach us and you show us what is good and right and pleasing to you. And so even now, Lord, would you be with us? Lord, even as we've just sung, Lord, would you give us eyes to see? Lord, give us ears to hear so that we might rightly see our sins and repent, but not only that, so that we might rightly see you and give you all praise and all glory. Lord, be with uh, the Well Church and their pastor, C.J. Coffey. Lord, would you give C.J. power and wisdom as he preaches? And Lord, would you be with their people there as well and edify them and build them up in Christ? Lord, would you teach us to pray this morning? Only you can do this, and so give us your spirit, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever heard people pray with profound and powerful words and wish you could pray like them? I know I have. When I was younger, I heard people pray what I believed to be profound and powerful prayers. Their prayers were long and uninterrupted and quite eloquent. They prayed with confidence and they prayed with conviction. 
And when you heard the tone and timbre of their voice, well, you knew that God heard them too. And to top it all off, when they called on the Lord for help, they were able to use all the different titles for all their appropriate requests. I wanted to pray like them because my prayers were nothing like their prayers. My prayers were short. My prayers were filled with stuttering and stammering. And as a result of my weak prayers, well, I knew I needed to learn how to pray. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's wanted to learn how to pray. And as it turns out, well, in the scriptures, we have the very best teacher who shows us how to pray. For God himself taught his disciples how to pray. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These familiar words are what we call the Lord's Prayer. But it might be more accurate if we were to call this the disciples' prayer, because Jesus is teaching us, as his disciples, how we should pray. So starting this week, we're going to be looking at this series of of verses to learn how to pray. And, and next week, we'll actually kick off in the Lord's Prayer itself, and we'll spend five weeks looking at those five verses to learn what it looks like to pray. But before we learn how we ought to pray, we're going to spend this week learning how not to pray. You see, there's a few things that are curious about how Jesus teaches us to pray. You know, for one, his prayer isn't long, like those prayer giants that we may have seen in the past. And his his prayers are filled with many big and complicated words that we don't understand. And for another, he doesn't even use many titles, all these various titles to call upon God. He simply calls him Father. So if we're to compare the Lord's Prayer here, or the prayer that we should pray as he has taught us to pray with those of the so-called prayer giants, well, we might go so far as to say that they might not have actually learned how to pray from Jesus. But before we get the wrong idea of why we're learning to pray, let me clarify just three things for us. First of all, the Lord's Prayer is not an incantation. What I mean by this is the Lord's Prayer is not a series of words that need to be strung together in the right order to cause God to hear us. That's not what the Lord's Prayer is. It's not a, a magic prayer. There's no magic word, no abracadabra, no open sesame, no speak friend and enter as we pray. Jesus taught his disciples to pray then like this. That word like means this is a, an example, a model of how we can pray. And so understand, we do not need to pray the Lord's Prayer word for word in order for our prayers to be authentic prayers. Which brings me to the second thing I want us to, to clarify before we get started. We are not learning how to pray so that we can therefore look at each other's prayers and bring judgment upon their prayers when they do not sound just like the Lord's Prayer. Did you, did you realize you didn't pray, Our Father, you should learn to pray like that? It's not the point of this. We're not taught to pray so that we can police each other's prayers. I'm not even the judge of authentic prayer, and neither are you. But this brings us to the last thing that we should know before we begin. Well, we are not the judges of authentic prayer we must realize that there is a right way to pray. And if there's a right way to pray, that means there's also a wrong way to pray. And that's what today's sermon is about. 
But don't just take my word for it. Before Jesus taught his disciples how they were to pray, he taught them how not to pray. Listen to how he said it in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So when Jesus tells us how not to pray, he tells us don't be like the hypocrites. And these hypocrites are referred to three times in the course of this chapter, both before and after the Lord's Prayer. So let's consider for just a moment what a hypocrite is, and then let's see who these hypocrites are. First of all, what is a hypocrite? Well, we understand a hypocrite to be a person who, who does the very thing that they condemn. Hypocrites, they, they don't practice what they preach. But this isn't exactly what Jesus had in mind when he called these people hypocrites. You see, when Jesus used this word, the Greek, they used the word hypocrite. That's actually where we get our English word hypocrite. But the Greek, when they used the word hypocrite, it was in reference to the actors, those people who would stand up on stage and put on a mask and, and portray a person who they truly were not. And you know how convincing actors can be if you watch just any amount of television. Actors, they can play all kinds of roles. They can be those who have died long before them. Actors, they can play the, the role of superheroes with super strength that defy all human strength. Actors can even use different accents to sound like they're from somewhere that they are not actually from. In fact, actors can even play the most foul creatures due to convincing makeup artists and amazing computer-generated images. Actors can play any role, and we might believe them to actually be who they are portraying. So too, these hypocrites, when they pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, they are just that. They are actors. They are putting on a mask. These hypocrites are fakes and frauds. That is why we use the, hip, the word hypocrite the way we do here in English. Hypocrites, they, they put on a face in front of people, but those faces are not their genuine faces. Now we understand what a hypocrite is, but let's understand who the hypocrites are. Jesus told us that the hypocrites, they, they love to stand and pray in the synagogue. Now understand what the synagogue is. The synagogue is the place of worship for the Jews who fear God. In the synagogue, the Jews would do the very same things that we're doing here today. They would be praising God with songs, and they would be hearing the word of God taught and read, and they would, they would pray just as Jesus says they do. And so we should understand these, these hypocrites are religious people, much like ourselves. They love the Lord, or so it seems. And so they come to these gatherings so that they might be seen by others. Furthermore, Jesus says these hypocrites, they, they love to pray on the streets. Now today, we don't necessarily see people praying on the streets very often. This isn't popular in, in our day and age. But understand that the Jews, they had three hours of prayer throughout the day. And a Jew who wanted to be seen for their prayer, well, they would plan to go grocery shopping at that hour of prayer so that when the, the horn would sound and all the people stopped to pray, well, everyone would see my righteous works and give me praise and glory for what I'm doing. You see, these hypocrites, they, they love to practice their pious religion so that they might receive the praise of other people. And these actors, they need a stage for their performance. And their stage is among the people of God. 
So if we're going to learn how to pray, well, first, we need to learn how not to pray. An authentic prayer, see this, authentic prayer is not a performance for the praise of man. So if we pray so that we can be seen by others and so that people might go, wow, that man is good and great and religious and he loves the Lord with zeal. Well, that's the reason we pray. Then we miss the, the point of, of prayer entirely. And as we continue to go through the Lord's Prayer in the weeks ahead, hopefully we will see two predominant themes. First of all, we will see that when we pray, all of our praise is directed towards God. For he alone is great and mighty and worthy of all praise. And the second thing I hope we see is that about ourselves in our prayers. When we pray, we do not do so to elevate our status before God or before men. We aren't trying to show God or other people how great we are through prayer. We don't pray about our sufficiency, but instead what we do is we cry out to God in dependency. Through prayer, we express dependence, desperation, and even our depravity as we cry to God for mercy. And in the weeks ahead, we will see that through our prayer, we show ourselves to be nothing but poor, reliant people who need God's provision for forgiveness and for victory over sin. And so when we realize just how dependent we are, well, then we realize just how unworthy of praise we are as well. Jesus, in fact, he taught us the same lesson on how not to pray through a parable of a man who would pray to elevate his status. Listen to it in Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one Pharisee and another tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, if in our prayers we wish to make much of ourselves, know this. You will be humbled, and God will not hear your requests. So when you pray, Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they, they love to stand in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Do you hear that language of reward here in this verse? If you seek through prayer the reward, not from God, but rather the reward from man through their praise, well then recognize this, you will get what you want. You will receive the praise of man. Well, maybe. But if you pray for the praise of man, you can be certain that you will not be rewarded by God. Think about it. Is an attaboy from another person really better than hearing the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, from our master? Attaboys, they're cheap. They're quickly forgotten. Sometimes they're not even sincere. 
but the reward from our master is the unfading crown of glory. So do not pray for the praise of man, but instead pray like this. When you go to pray, Jesus tells us in verse six, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, the irony of this verse is not missed by me in this moment. I'm preaching about hypocrites who pray in front of others. And furthermore, Jesus tells us that when we are to pray, we're to do so in secret. And all the while, here I am up on stage in front of you all with lights shining on my face. And I've already prayed. Does this mean I'm a hypocrite? Well, maybe. It might. But that's not necessarily the case. And you're not the judge of that. And in fact, I'm not even the judge of myself on these matters because in the end, God will judge me if my prize in preaching and praying before you all is your praise and adoration. And this is a sin that I must put to death daily. So even now, let me put it to death by reminding you of why we're here. Josh has already, Josh McCoffey's already reminded us of this once, but let me remind us again. We are here to praise and to worship God, not to praise man. And today, here as I stand before you all, the bride of Christ, I get to be the friend of the bridegroom to say, look at him. Look at your husband and look what he has done for you and give him all your heart and all your praise and all your adoration. This is why Jesus tells us to pray in secret. We should pray in secret because our prayers are not a performance for men. But to be clear, not all public prayers are inauthentic prayers. For one, the very prayer that Jesus here is teaching us to pray is distinctly corporate. This means the Lord's Prayer, it is to be prayed together. This is why Jesus says, our Father. That word our is is us as a community. Give us, plural, our daily bread and forgive us our debts. That's, that's three times in a row and throughout the, there's more. These, these personal, first person, plural pronouns and what we should see is this is a prayer that should be prayed together. And not only this, but we see even Jesus is repeatedly seen praying in front of other people and not only Jesus, but so did the early church throughout the book of Acts. But I don't want us to be confused about the prayers we do here in our service. These are not just ornaments to decorate our services as fine garnish to make it seem more religious. No, we pray because we need God here and now. And furthermore, when even Jesus, the very Son of God himself, prayed, he did so in front of people, but More than this, we see him repeatedly go away in isolation to be alone with the Father. And so too, the early church, they had their prayer meetings, but these prayer meetings were not a performance for even in the depths of prison, we see the apostles praying to God. Why? Because he's with them even there. So too, we should recognize that if the only time we ever pray is here among the people of God, well then, we might be actors. We might be hypocrites. But the point of this isn't to to worry about someone catching us praying as if when they catch us, all of a sudden God fails to hear our request. That's not the point of this. The point is this. We must watch our motives. So ask yourselves, consider even now, do you pray for the praise of man? 
Many of us do. Remember, prayer is not a performance. It's not to be done so that others might see our good works and give us praise. Rather, we pray so that we might commune and talk with our God. We pray because we need him. And so we should pray in secret. We should wake up early and pray in the kitchen before the rest of the family wakes up. We should pray in our cars when we are alone and perhaps on our way to work. We should pray in our bedroom even after everyone else goes to sleep. And this week, even if you decide, and I would encourage you to participate in the day of fasting and prayer, don't need to tell anyone about it. You're not doing it for me, for the elders. You're doing it, why? Because you're going to seek the Lord, and he will see what you do in secret and reward you. Authentic prayers are not a performance for the praise of man. Rather, authentic prayer is the means by which we come into the presence of God and talk with him. So don't pray like the hypocrites. But this isn't the only way in which we are instructed how not to pray. Jesus continued in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So first we're told, don't pray like the Jewish hypocrites. And here and now, Jesus instructs us not to pray like the Gentiles who prayed to their pagan gods. Jesus said that these Gentiles, they would heap up empty phrases They would just say different words, long words, and try to make these prayers long and extravagant, thinking that for their many words, the gods would hear them all the more. These Gentiles, they would pray long and tedious hours throughout the day and throughout the night in order that they might pressure the gods to act on their behalf. But listen to how effective these empty phrases are when the prophets of Baal prayed in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 18, verse 25, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourself one bowl and prepare it, for you are many. Call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bowl that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their customs with swords and lances until blood gushed out from upon them. And And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. You see, the prophets of Baal, they believed that their long prayers were an effective means of getting the God's attention. And the more devout their devotion was, they believed, well, the the more likely the gods would hear their requests and give them what they wanted. But even when they prayed all day long, and even when they cut themselves to get their God's attention, their prayers were not answered. And there's multiple reasons why. For one, Baal's not even a real God. He has no power in himself at all. But furthermore, the Gentiles believed that their prayers were a performance that were used to please the gods and to pressure them to act on their behalf. And Jesus, he tells us, don't pray this way. We aren't to use prayer as a means to try to somehow please God. 
We're not supposed to try to persuade God in our prayers, thinking that our pious activity could somehow change his mind. And we're not to use prayers as a means to try to pressure him into doing what we think he should do. So here's what I want us to see. Authentic prayer is not a performance to pressure God. We see people pressure and persuade others in all kinds of relationships. Children, we might see this happening. My own children do it all the time, maybe in a grocery store or otherwise, where they don't get what they want, and so what do they do? Please, please, mommy, please. And as parents, we do the same thing to our kids too, right? My son, Peter, when he's touching my daughter's face and poking her eyes, I try to persuade him to, to play with his toys instead of gouging out her eyes. And it's not just us parents and our children who do it, even salesmen, they're, they're experts in persuasion. Salesmen know how to just do, allow the, put on the, the right amount of pressure so that they might persuade their clients so that they may close the sale. It's not just salesmen who are persuasive. Even as an evangelist and a pastor, my goal is to persuade you and other people to follow and obey Jesus. Now, some of us might be skeptical at a persuasive preacher, but don't be skeptical. This is exactly what Paul did whenever he was preaching to people who did not love Jesus and even those who did. Read the epistles. They're very persuasive. Paul was regularly described as trying to persuade men so that they might see and follow Jesus. So too, as a preacher, I, I try to use helpful illustrations and thoughtful words so that you might all see and understand God's word and be persuaded to, to see that it is far better to serve him than to, to love the things of this world. And so when I preach, I want to be persuasive, but not for my gain. My aim in being persuasive is for your own good and God's final and ultimate glory. But persuasion is not our aim when we pray. Every one of us knows a thing or two about how to persuade and pressure others so we might get our way. And as sinners, we often do the very same thing with God through prayer. But Jesus, he tells us not to pray like this. Why? Verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So not only do we need to know how to pray, but we need to understand what prayer actually is. When we pray, we are not putting on an act to somehow make God more pleased with us or to pressure him or to persuade him to do something for us. In fact, when we pray, we aren't even informing God of something that he doesn't already know. As a parent, I often don't know what my kids need, though. So we assume the same thing about our God. You see, as a parent, when my son, Peter, wants a cup of milk, I don't know what he wants until he says, Dad, I want some milk. I'm thirsty. And only then do I actually know what his needs are. And with my daughter, Lydia, well, it's a lot more difficult for me to know what she needs because she's just a baby and does not know how to talk. When I know she needs something, all I know is she's crying. And so what I do is I try to figure out what it is that's making her so upset. Does she have a dirty diaper? Is she hungry? Is she teething? Maybe she just misses her mom. And like many dads, I often fail to understand and know what exactly it is that she needs. But this is not the case with your heavenly father. 
For your Father knows exactly what you need, not once you cry out to him, but he knows exactly what you need before you even ask. So understand this. When we pray, we are not giving God new information about our condition that he isn't already aware of. Some of us may have never thought about prayer like this. Some of us might even wonder, well, then what's the point of praying if God already knows what I need? Well, let me give you three reasons why we are to pray. First, and most obvious, because God tells us to. After telling us that our Father knows what we need before we even ask, Jesus does not tell us to therefore give up praying. But instead, he says, pray then like this. So just because God knows what we need does not mean that we are to not pray. Instead, we are to all the more pray so that we might make all of our requests known to God. Not because he's ignorant, but just because that's exactly what he tells us to do. Second, we are to pray because prayer is one of the means of receiving from God. In other words, we pray because God answers prayer. While our Father knows what we need before we ask, James 4.2 also tells us that we do not have because we do not ask. And so when the church prayed for Peter when he was in prison, they weren't informing God of something that, they, that he didn't already know. God knew where Peter was. But when they prayed, God heard their cries and he delivered Peter from prison. So why should we pray? Because God answers prayer. And if we do not pray, then we will not receive. Which makes us kind of just go, why? Why, God, did you work in this way? Why not just give us what we need apart from prayer? You already know it. Well, the reason God meets our needs through prayer as opposed to just giving us things, and by the way, he gives us so many things that we don't even ask for, but there are times when he wants us to ask why, so that we might rightly recognize that he is the source of every good gift. If he were to just give us everything we needed, well, then we would never realize that we actually need God at all. We might actually think that we're sufficient in and of ourselves. And furthermore, if we had everything we needed, we would just think, well, then why give God praise? But know this, that when we pray, and God answers our prayers. He gives us all the more reason to give God praise. So understand, we should pray because God says so. We should pray because God actually answers prayer. And furthermore, we should pray because when we pray, he gives us all the more opportunity to recognize and see what God is doing so that we might give him even louder praise. But don't think that our prayers persuade God to do good for us. That is not what prayer is. And in fact, the repeated theme so far up until this point is this. Prayer is not a performance. It's not a performance for the praise of man. Prayer is not a performance to pressure God. So don't make it into something that it is not intended to be. Oftentimes I hear people say that they don't want to pray because they just don't know how to pray. And they don't know what to say. And so if you are afraid of, of prayer, 
especially in public settings. If you don't want to pray because you're afraid of how others might judge you for your prayer, well, don't worry about it. You're not praying to please them anyway. So what if you stumble over your words? They're not the judge of your prayer. I'm not the judge of your prayer, and you're not either. So pray to God, even if you stumble over your words, even if you do not know what to say. Just talk to him. But what if I don't say the right words? What if in my prayer I say something that doesn't please God? Again, prayer is not a performance, not even for God. God is not somehow more pleased with you because of profound prayers. God is pleased with you because of the perfect work of Christ on your behalf. Christ already knows what you need. So you simply need to ask him. And you don't need to ask with a booming voice or a rousing plea. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. J.C. Ryle put it this way. It's so helpful for me over the years. He says this, fear not because your prayer is stammering, your words feeble and your language poor. Jesus can understand you. Or the way Paul says it in Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Understand that? Somehow this this mystery is happening where the Spirit of God is actually interceding on our behalf, even when we don't know what to pray. And so if we think prayer somehow persuades God to act for our good, well, we don't understand what prayer is. But more than this, we, when we wish to pressure God through our prayers, it is owing to the fact that we do not know who we are praying to. When we pray, thinking that we can somehow pressure God, it shows that we believe God to be greedy rather than generous as he truly is. When we pray with long prayers, thinking that we will be heard for our many words, it shows that we think God is somehow too busy or too preoccupied in order to be able to to answer our requests. When we pray like the Gentiles, it is owing to the fact that we believe God only answers those special prayers of those who are somehow more worthy due to human works than others heaping up empty phrases in order to somehow persuade God into getting what we want is owing to our own ignorance of the goodness of God. So if we want to learn how to pray, well, we need to not only understand what prayer is, we need to know who we are praying to. So Jesus tells us, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the second time in these four verses that God has been called our Father. So notice who we pray to. When we pray, we are not trying to get the attention of some distant deity. But rather, when we pray, we are simply talking to our Heavenly Father who brought us into his family. I'm stepping on Tate's toes just 
a bit this morning because next week he'll be preaching on the opening of the Lord's Prayer where we pray, Our Father in heaven. So we will get much more of this next week as to understanding what our relationship with, is with God who is our Father. But even now, we should hear it yet again because we can never be reminded enough about this special relationship that we have with our God. We have been adopted into the family of God. We have been made sons and daughters of the living God. And this makes him our father. And this might seem like a simple truth, but don't let the familiarity of this relationship that we have with earthly fathers or even the broken relationship that we have with our dads cause for us to overlook what it means for God to be our father. You see, the Gentiles, they, they believed they needed to pray in a way to earn attention from the gods. But we pray knowing that God already cares for us because we are his children. And we don't pray to a God who is far off, some distant deity who we have no access to. But we pray to our Father who loves his children and is pleased to give us good gifts. Now, there's so much more to be said about this fantastic relationship that we have with our God. And we will hear even more of it next week, as I said before. But for now, understand this. Your heavenly Father, he knows what you need. Even before you ask, he knows what his children need and he is pleased to give his children good gifts. So pray, ask him. I know for me, I get to call my dad any time of the day, my earthly father, I get to call him even when he's busy at work. Most people don't get to do that, but I do, why? Because he's my dad. So too, we get to do the same with our Heavenly Father. But some of us might be thinking, well, God hasn't actually given me what I need. I've even prayed for years and God still has not met my request. Does he really know? Is he really my Father? See, I've prayed for a better job, but I'm still stuck in the same old job. Pray for a better marriage, or perhaps for those who are single, pray just to be married. But these relationships, they're still broken. Some of us have prayed for obedient children who will serve the Lord, while others still who have no children at all have been asking God to give you some kids. But God has not seemed to have heard us. Others still have prayed for healing for years, but there's still pain. And some others might still die. So does God really know what I need? Does my father really care for me and love me as if I were his own child? Well, understand this. Not only does God know what you need before you ask, but he even knows what you need more than you do. My son would like to think that he needs candy for dinner every night. But you and I know better, right? He needs something of substance that will nourish him, that will help him grow. You see, while I'm just an earthly father who doesn't know everything my children needs, I at least know a little bit more than my two-year-old son. This comes with time and wisdom, and just a little bit of common sense. So how much more so then does our heavenly father who has no beginning or no end know exactly what you need even if you think you know better? 
Even more so, our God in his love has richly provided us with every single thing we need for each and every day. In fact, your father has given you the greatest gift by sending his son to die in your place. And he did so without your request. He did so even before you even knew you needed to be saved. But he did so, why? Because he loves you. And he is gracious and merciful. And in his love, he would send his one and only son to die so that you and I might be made children of God. But what about my suffering? Doesn't he know I need some relief? Well, if you're suffering, well, pray. And go to your father and make your request known to him. Even pray with persistence. No, praying with persistence isn't the same thing as praying like the Gentiles, for repeatedly throughout the scriptures, we are told to pray persistently. Paul certainly did. Listen to Paul's persistent and repeated prayer. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times, Paul says, I, I have gone to the Lord in prayer, asking for this thorn to be removed from my flesh so that I might have some peace, so that I might not suffer did God hear Paul's prayer? Did Paul's heavenly father know what he needed? Yes, he heard his prayer. And yes, his father, our father, knew exactly what it was that he needed. So like a good father, he replied to his son and said, my grace is sufficient for you. You hear that? This is a mystery that we cannot fully understand. He says, Paul, what you need is not the thorn to be removed. Why? Because I've given you exactly what you need, and that is my grace. So brothers and sisters, know this. God has given us everything we need. He has richly bestowed upon us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And if we have Christ, then we lack nothing. So let us pray with this in mind. Our Father, who is in heaven, knows all that we need before we even ask. And our Father, he, he answers our prayer. And he will give us all that we need, for he has already given us his Son, so that we might have life. So let us pray to him. Not like the hypocrites who wish to be seen for the praise of man. Not like the Gentiles who pray thinking that they need to somehow earn the good pleasure of God. Rather, let us pray to our Father knowing this, that in him we lack nothing. So may our prayers be heard and may our prayers lead to our loudest praise. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that even now we get to call you 
Father. We thank you that you have made us your own, that we are your children whom you love. What a privilege it is. Lord, help us to know this truth and believe it. Help for us to remember it so that we would not go around acting once again like slaves and servants. But Lord, may we recognize the privilege that you have bestowed upon us by making us your children. Father, forgive us when we seek the praise of man. Forgive us for the times where we listen to the deception of Satan and doubt your goodness. Lord, even now, we believe and we confess that you are good. So Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we give you all praise and all glory. We ask all this in Christ's name, amen. Amen, let's stand together.